Hi, thanks for listening to the Expressing Motherhood podcast. My name is Lindsay Cavett. I'm a mom here in Los Angeles to three kids. My kids are 11, 8, and 6. And I have been producing and directing this show since I birthed it in 2008. So I am thrilled that you are listening along. Right now, we have our submissions going on for Burlington, Vermont. We're going to take the show there for, for the very first time this fall. And we also have two extended nights for our Silver Lake show coming up June 5th and 12th here in Los Angeles if you're in LA. But if not, you can listen to the podcast because I'm going to upload the majority of the stories. Some of the stories remain in the theater because people want some privacy, which I completely honor. So if the show comes to your city, just come see it so you can uh, hear all of the stories. But right now, you're about to listen to to Portland mom, Barb Buckner Suarez. She performed in our recent Portland show back in April last month. Barb Buckner is a health educator specializing in the transformational events of pregnancy, birth, and parenting. In her 20 plus years in the field of maternal fetal medicine, Barb has had the honor of teaching thousands of couples about the benefits of embracing the normal feelings of vulnerability that arise as they become parents. She's a Lamaze certified childbirth educator, fellow in the Academy of Certified Childbirth Educators, as well as one of the first ever certified Becoming Us facilitators. And when she's not taking care of her own four children, Barb writes her blog, Birth Happens, and pulls together a few more ideas about the gifts of vulnerability that she hopes will become a book someday. You can find out more about Barb and her passion for all things bellies, birth, and babies at her website, bbsuarez.com. And now for your listening pleasure, Enjoy Barb's story from our Portland Expressing Motherhood show. Are you ready for me to tell you what it is? We've been at Dornbecker Children's Hospital for the better part of a week, trying to figure out what was wrong. When the team of doctors finally had a diagnosis, my seven-year-old daughter didn't want to know what it was until now. Yes, she said, but I want you to whisper it into my ear. Saying it quietly made it less scary for her, so I obliged. The doctors say you have leukemia. She looked up at me with a smile and a sigh of relief. That's good. I thought you were going to tell me that I had cancer. My heart sank as I responded, sweetie, leukemia is cancer. This was going to be a hard day. I knew that something was wrong with my girl. She was usually so full of life. But when she started complaining about her legs hurting in the winter of first grade, I didn't pay much attention. After all, her complaints seemed to line up perfectly with my request for her to do something she didn't want to do. And I remembered having growing pains as a kid that would bring me to tears. But by the spring, there were signs I couldn't ignore. She was losing weight. Her skin color was off. She was cold most of the time. But it was her affect that concerned me most. My little girl who begged for five more minutes, mommy, on the playground after school would meet me at pickup in tears, begging to go straight home. The journal that I'd brought her had entries that read, I don't know what's wrong with me. All I want to do is cry. I thought we were dealing with something purely emotional. It wasn't until I noticed her shoulder swelling that I even considered that it would be something physical. The picture I sent to the pediatrician got us an immediate after-hours appointment, and I knew it was something serious. Her physical examination landed us in the hospital for a midnight MRI, and I knew it was something really serious. After days of poking and prodding, groups of doctors huddled at the foot of her bed, 
discussing her case. They finally came to a consensus and gave us her diagnosis. And then it fell to me to act as translator, explaining to her that leukemia is just another word for cancer, a word that she already knew too well. You see, her daddy is a cancer survivor. She had heard stories about his treatment, and she'd seen pictures of him after he'd lost his hair in about 25 pounds, and she was scared. We all were. So I made it my mission to be strong for her. I would do whatever it took to get her through this experience. For example, leukemia treatment involves swallowing hundreds of pills, sometimes up to 16 a day. What seven-year-old do you know that can take oral medications? At first, we crushed the meds up and fed them to her, mixed with things that we would hope would mask the taste for her, chocolate syrup, jelly, fruit smoothies. But as a super taster, eventually she began spitting them out because all she could taste was the bitterness. It became my job to teach her how to swallow pills. We used candy nerds inside of gel caps. That way, while she was learning, she could just eat the candy until she figured it out. The goal was to be able to put a whole bunch of pills together so that she wouldn't have to swallow them one at a time. And for eight hours one day, we practiced swallowing nerds. It was grueling. We only took breaks to eat and go to the bathroom. And at 5 p.m. that day, she did it. She swallowed her first pill and then immediately threw it back up all over me. And then I'm ashamed to say it, I lost it. You have to take this medication. It's not like deciding you don't want to eat your vegetables. If you don't take this medication, you'll die. In the three years of her treatment, it was the only time she saw me cry. She walked over and hugged me as I sobbed and then whispered into my ear, Mommy, it's okay. I'll start taking my pills tomorrow. I don't know if it was the shock of seeing me cry or if she knew I was crazy enough to spend eight hours the next day <laughs> and every day after that if I had to to get her to swallow those pills, but I'll be damned if she didn't start taking her meds like a pro. Those three years were full of doctor's visits, late night trips to the ER, platelet transfusions, nasty meds that killed the cancer cells but also took her hair and made her gain weight and stunted her growth. But despite all of this, my girl hardly ever missed a day of school, rarely missed her dance classes, and never complained about any of it. It's like she knew my ability to get us through this experience balanced on not just me being strong for her, but her being strong for me too. It was an unspoken pact that we'd made to one another, as mothers and daughters do sometimes. I'm grateful to share that my daughter is healthy. She's a beautiful, confident, close to 4.0 student who loves to dance and write and sing. She's an amazing role model for her three younger siblings, and she's mature and wise beyond her 18 years. She's heading off to college in the fall. I kept a blog in real time during her treat, but it was the only thing that kept me sane. But I haven't really been writing or talking about it, and neither has she, until now.
I think that we're both starting to reckon with what happened to both of us so long ago. And maybe it's because we're about to experience what it will be like to be strong on our own without each other there for balance. I'd never wish this experience on any child, but I know that it taught us both so much. That doesn't mean I'm not grateful that it's ended up being only a chapter, albeit a very important one, in the book that she's going to continue to write about her life. And I feel so lucky to have been a character in her story.